We'll turn to Daniel chapter 3. And because God's word is holy, and he is a holy, wise, and all-powerful God, and his word is exalted as well, we want to stand and give honor to the word of the Lord as we look at Daniel 3. We'll be reading verses 1 through 18. This is God's holy and infallible word, Daniel 3, starting at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and its width 6 cubits. He set it up on uh, the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the province were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you uh, the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a, fire, of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came um, forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and of all kinds of music, is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They have not served your gods or worshipped the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast 
into the midst of a fiery blazing fire of a blazing furnace of blazing fire and what god is there who can deliver you out of my hands shadrach meshach and abednego replied to the king o nebuchadnezzar we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter if it be so our god whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and we and he will deliver us out of your hand o king but even if he does not let it be known to you o king that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up let's pray together our glorious lord thank you for this your word and help us we pray to have boldness, bravery, and even, we pray, a willingness to even sacrifice our own lives for the sake of honoring you, the King of glory. Help us to obey you at all costs, for we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. This is a book that begins with judgment. The reason we have this book of Daniel in the first place is because the people of Israel worshipped pagan gods. And because they worshipped pagan gods, God warned them through the prophets time and time again that if they did not repent and turn from their ways, God was going to smash their idols, and he was going to do so by the hands of a foreign power. And he even prophesied that Babylon was going to come and siege Jerusalem. Babylon did, took these men captive, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, these were the new names that were given, along with Daniel, um, who was called Belteshazzar, and took them into the service of the courts of the king. And we find out here that these men were over the administration of, of Babylon itself, But they were given wisdom from God, and they were considered wiser than the wise men of Babylon. That's why they had achieved this prestige. Chapter 2 deals with the king having a vision, which he didn't understand, that vision of the statue which represented the kingdoms of this world. And the stone coming down from heaven hits the statue at its feet and causes the whole thing to fall down. Of course, we know from the New Testament that that stone is Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, the stone which the builders have rejected, that is that stone which falls down from heaven, cut not with hands, but given by God, that comes down and destroys these kingdoms and is going to be Jesus' kingdom, which shall reign forever. It shall become as a mountain that fills the whole earth. King Nebuchadnezzar is given that vision. He's told that he is the head of gold. And this is going to come up a little bit later in this particular message. As we focus on what this text says for us tonight, the main focus is that you are to refuse idol worship at all costs. Following today's text, you are to refuse idol worship at all costs. We're going to see this in two main points government-mandated pagan worship. That's the first point, government-mandated pagan worship. And secondly, refusing idol worship, even if it leads to death. Let's look at this first main point, 
government-mandated pagan worship. Verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, an, an image of gold which its height was 60 cubits, its width 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. Now we know from archaeology that a cubit was approximately one and a half feet. Um, some say it was 17.5 inches, so which is almost 18, which, is, uh, which would be 18 inches, would be one and a half feet. But according to archaeology, that would be the measure. So this statue would have been 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Now, I'm very doubtful that this thing was solid gold or even a hollow golden statue. It was very likely perhaps made of wood and then overlaid with gold. But it was, a, no doubt, a tremendous sight to see. Now, if this was just a statue for a commemoration, maybe the king wanted to have a statue of himself, you know, and, and say, well, th- uh, this is the ruler who ruled during these years and maybe have a plaque at the bottom. It's not a big deal. But we find out it wasn't just something as a commemoration or a memorial. It was something more. Um, we don't know exactly what the image was. Um, According to the proportions, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, it's likely a humanoid figure or maybe a man, uh, but the text doesn't say that. But we know it wasn't an ox and we know it wasn't a, a big elephant or something because it, it would have been different proportions width to height, right? So we guess it was a man. Now, if you think about what happened in the previous chapter, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a statue. If you remember the statue, let's see if I can go through all these different parts of it. The statue was a vision with a head of gold, which represented his kingdom, the Babylonian Empire. And then it had arms and a chest of silver. That was the Medo-Persian Empire. It had a tummy or a stomach and thighs of bronze. And that represented the Greek Empire. And then later on it had iron and then feet of iron and clay, which represented the Roman Empire. Now, most interpreters of the book of Daniel all agree that this is the proper interpretation of what these parts of that statue represent. Okay? But he said to himself, man, isn't it great? that I can be the head of gold. That's what Daniel told him. Daniel told him, you, O king, are the head of gold of this great statue from your vision. Maybe he didn't want to be just the head. Maybe he wanted to represent the whole thing. So he said, you know what? In my, in my dream, I'm, a, I'm only the head of gold. Well, why don't I make a statue where I'm the whole thing? I'm going to make the whole thing of gold. So part of, no doubt, of his we know for sure that his motivation in this is to exalt himself, to esteem himself. So he sets up this statue, but we, we find out in today's text that this was more than just commemoration. Uh, look at what is given here after the dedication. So they had this dedication service where all the king's officials come together. And then in verses 4 through 6, it gives more details of the king's intention for this statue. A herald... That's one who proclaims for the king. He says this, The herald loudly proclaimed, verse 4, 
To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the, the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Why did King Nebuchadnezzar man? Why did he mandate this pagan worship? We know from the prior chapter, chapter two, he was given revelation from a prophet of the God of the Bible. But notice what he said. Go back to chapter two, verse forty-seven. Chapter two, forty-seven. This is after the interpretation of Daniel. Uh, and he's astonished. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Nebuchadnezzar is not convinced that the God of the Bible or the God of the Hebrews is the only true God. Because he revealed the dream through Daniel, I think he's bumped him up on the list. But Nebuchadnezzar still believes in a multiplicity of gods, pantheon of gods or something. Because we mentioned one of the rebukes of the Chaldeans is, well, why do these gods not worship your gods? Nebuchadnezzar didn't worship one. He probably prayed to a few of them. But here, he's setting up this idol because he wants them to worship this idol. Um, I will give you a little preview. When we get to Daniel 4, after the king goes through a period of insanity, is made to walk on the ground and eat grass like an ox, he will wake up, and I believe he then acknowledges the God of heaven as the only true God, and his kingdom as the only kingdom that shall stand forever. But he's not there yet, but I believe he does get there. So according to chapter 3, where we're finding him in chapter 3, he's still not convinced. He's still a a polytheistic individual. Some rulers believe something so strongly that they feel they want everyone under them to believe what they believe, even if it means to do so by force. And that's what we have here. He thought... It was a great idea to worship this statue, this, this image, golden image, and that it would bless his kingdom by doing so. And therefore, whoever didn't do it was going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. You know, our, our nation sometimes does it as well, doesn't it? We want you to believe what we believe. We want you to fall down before the idol of the LGBTQ agenda and if you don't you're going to lose your job if you don't you're going to be called a bigot if you don't you're going to have your tax exempt status removed if you don't the list goes on and on but thank God we don't have to suffer uh, death for that but you know it, it might be as is in other places some people may be going to jail 
if they refuse to bow down to what idol the state has set up. If you look in today's text in chapter 7, sorry, today's text, verse 7, we'll look at and see that there were some who did bow down to the king's request because they feared the fiery furnace. Verse 7, Therefore at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Everyone except three Hebrew men, for sure. Now let's look at this next main point. Refusing idol worship, even if it leads to death. Verse 8. Certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. If you know your New Testament, the chief place in the New Testament that tells us that we ought to obey the authorities set over us is Romans 13. We ought to obey the authority set over us because there's no authority over us that has not been ordained by God. And sometimes even if it's a bad authority, it's, it's God's purpose to discipline his people. Um, and here, we know for sure that having Babylonian captivity was for their discipline. He promised that long ago, and here they were under the Babylonian captivity. You are to obey those who are ruling over you. However, you go to the book of Acts, chapter 5. You remember when Peter and the apostles are told, you men are not to teach anyone in the name of this man, Jesus. What did they say? Yes, we will listen to you and obey you, the magistrate. No, they didn't listen to the Jewish council. What did they say? We will obey God and not men. If a ruler tells you to do something that is pagan, sinful, directly opposed to this God's word, it is your duty as a worshiper of God to disobey the civil authority. And that's exactly what these men did. They basically told Nebuchadnezzar, we will obey God and not you, O king. Look at verses um, 13 through 15. But keep this in mind. If you do disobey, expect some rage from those who are over you, especially tyrants. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage... And anger gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? What would you have done if that was you? What would you have done? What would you do if you were put in a similar situation? You must do this or I will shoot you. You remember in the Columbine school shooting? These atheistic, evil young men who were going around shooting their classmates. Some of them, they asked, are you a Christian? And some of them, even with the bullet, I mean, sorry, even with a gun pointed to their head, were willing to accept the bullet and say, yes, I am. Well, we don't know. It's very doubtful they would have lived if they said, no, I'm not. Or, I don't want to die. Or something similar and didn't deny their Lord. But in that situation, they were willing to say, yes, I am. Go ahead and shoot. So it does happen still in our time and our day. We ought to follow the, the godly example of these three young men. They were willing to suffer death rather than worship an idol, a false god. That's why they told the king in verses 17 and 18, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this manner. I don't know why they said that, because they didn't give him an answer. Um, Verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods, or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, we're not going into what happens after this. We're not going to look at the miraculous deliverance, which is for next week, next Sunday evening. Some might say that the miraculous deliverance from the fiery furnace was the victory. I would say this is the victory right here. This is the victory here. That they were willing to take a bold stand for God no matter what. They, they said, we must obey God and not men, even if it means that you take our lives. I guess you could say, and it might be kind of trite, but a lot of you have probably seen the... the uh, The Braveheart movie, you can take our lives, but you can't take our freedom, right? The king wasn't going to get his way, and if they would have lost their lives, what would have happened? They would have entered into eternal glory with the Lord that they loved and they worshipped. It's a win, isn't it? I want us to turn to a passage in Revelation. Let's uh, look at Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12, starting at verse 10. 
Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. What can men do to us? Men can destroy our bodies. But scripture says, don't fear men who can destroy merely body, but fear him who can destroy body and soul in hell forever. It has been something I haven't read in quite a while, but it was something that was important to the formation of my commitment to what I would call the Reformed faith, was studying what the Reformers had gone through. A absolute fantastic book, if you have not read it yet, is Fox's Book of Martyrs. Almost every case of what these men and even women and children endured did not end in miraculous deliverances, but often ended in painful death, immense, terrible suffering. But even in the midst of immense, terrible suffering, an abundance of assurance and faith and love for the Lord Jesus. Those who persecuted the early church and those who persecuted the reformers, they took their lives but they could not take their salvation. So keep this in mind. If you believe and receive and understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you, that he has given you eternal life, that because he died on the cross, you have your sins paid for in full. Your sins, past, present, and future, have been paid in full through the blood of Christ that Jesus obeyed the law for you, even though you fail keeping the law, he's obeyed the law for you, and God has accounted, reckoned, considered the righteousness of Christ as your righteousness, so that on that great day of judgment, you don't have to stand in your failure, but you stand in in the place of Christ. Christ. Christ's washed, he has washed you white by his blood. So when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin and wickedness. He sees his son and his obedience. That's why we can have confidence on that great day of judgment. If you have a faith like that, who can take that from you? If God has given you that faith, to die is gain. Now, it's more beneficial for us to live here and to seek to serve the Lord, but for the Christian who has such a solid, steadfast faith, to die is gain. And that's what we find that these men were willing to do. So brothers and sisters, refuse idol worship. Refuse compromise. Seek to do what God says. Obey God and not men, even if it causes you great trouble and trial. And remember that no one can take away your eternal 
gift of salvation. Let's pray together. We thank you, our beloved Lord, that you have given us your word, that you have revealed unto us who you are, of your mighty wonders. We thank you that you have given such boldness to men as you have given to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Help us to be as these men who overcame the world, the flesh, and the devil and did not even love their lives to the end. Help us, we pray, to love you more and help us, we pray, even through this teaching and preaching to grow in our assurance that we are yours. But we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 474, If Thou But Suffer God to Guide Thee. 474, will stand and sing.